Good morning, and welcome to the Redeemer's Refuge radio broadcast, brought to you by Redeemer Lutheran Church, One Deer Walk Lane in Charleston, a member congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Redeemer Lutheran Church, help, hope, and home in the body of Christ. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46.1, this speaks to the hope God gives us amid the struggles of life. When life storms blow around us, our Redeemer, Jesus, gives refuge in the mighty fortress of our God. We pray this broadcast will remind you of that beautiful truth today. mercy and peace be unto each of you from God our Father and our Lord and King Jesus the Christ amen let us pray Heavenly Father your son came to Gethsemane pained and sorrowful yet he purposed to do your will help us to use these days to grow in wisdom and prayer that we may witness to your saving love in Jesus Christ our Lord amen Our reading for the second Sunday of Lent is from Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 through 38. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, He fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. One of the less than stellar moments in my previous career as a peace officer came fairly early in my career. I had been working the graveyard shift, but was unable to go home at the end of the shift as I had traffic court in the morning. Yes, I know, how exciting. The previous shift had been chock-filled with calls for service to include an arrest of a young man who had an open warrant and a closed mind when it came to cooperation with me. Frankly, I was worn out. As I sat with the other officers in traffic court, the buzz of activity slowly faded and I found myself being elbowed by the officer next to me as I had fallen asleep. Fortunately, it was brief and I wasn't snoring like a freight train. Nevertheless, it was at least mildly embarrassing as the officers around me had a few laughs at my expense that morning. Surely you've had a similar experience, being so tired that you can't fight fatigue anymore and you drift off to slumber. 
And we should all be able to identify with Peter, James, and John as they succumb to exhaustion in Gethsemane while Jesus steadfastly watched and prayed to his Father. It had been a busy, exciting, scary, confusing roller coaster week for the disciples. No wonder they had sleepy eyes and just needed to see the inside of their eyelids for a while. And who knows if Peter, James, and John had gotten any shut eye since they had heard the sermon from Jesus about staying awake and watching for the last day. Maybe they had taken it quite literally. On top of that, what could be more sleep-inducing than watching another person pray? And as far as their own praying went, well, haven't you ever nodded off during your own prayers? They reclined on the soft grass in the garden. The cool night air was perfect for sleeping. A nap was inevitable, right? <laughs> Indeed it was. It was sinful that they didn't do as Jesus told them. But let's be honest, neither would we have if we had been in their shoes. And so this is not really the time for self-righteous and Peter, James, and John bashing. It happened the way it had to. This event teaches us to identify with sinful humans, even believers, as sleepyheads, whose willing spirit cannot overcome the weakness of their flesh. On the other hand, this scene identifies Jesus as the Lord of Israel, who neither slumbers nor sleeps, whose eyes were set only on doing God's will. And when it came time for all righteousness to be fulfilled and all the sin of the world to be paid for, it had to be Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. He had to be the one, the only one awake to persevere through the home stretch of his active obedience, to suffer the pangs of hell in his passive obedience, and then to sleep the sleep of death in the tomb for us men and for our salvation. Today's Passion reading places before our eyes the depths of woe Jesus would suffer for us. We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, sorrowful and troubled, even to the point of his sacred heart failing right then and there. The weight of the world's sins pressed down mightily on him, and he fell upon his face in weakness and trembling, begging, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. The cup Jesus spoke of was the cup of his Father's wrath against all the sin of the world. God's wrath is his unmitigated anger, a furious outpouring of condemnation, the fires and torments of hell. Jesus did not want to drink that cup. Perfect, sinless, holy Jesus, whose will was truly perfect, prayed that he would not have to drink the cup of God's wrath. And he knew that it was possible for his Father to change things. This teaches us, of course, that death and hell are not good or desirable for humans. Death, decay, and eternal suffering was not God's plan for humanity. Those are consequences of Adam's fall, which involved us all, except for Jesus. He was sinless. He didn't merit death. He didn't deserve to drink the cup of God's wrath. So his prayer certainly wasn't cowardly or faithless, but it was the language of faith in the God for whom all things are possible. Now, I did leave out some essential words from Jesus' prayers. He didn't stop with, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He continued, 
yet not what I will, but what you will. Again, he prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And the third time he prayed the same prayer. And then the father answered his son's prayer. While it was possible for the father to remove the cup, the father's will was for Jesus to suffer to spare you. The father answered Jesus' prayer by giving his son the strength to accept his good and gracious will, and the son willingly went into captivity when Judas showed up to betray him. Moments later, Jesus said that all this was done to let the scriptures be fulfilled. Surely the scripture recorded in Isaiah 53 is in the background here. There the suffering servant of the Lord is said to be stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of God's people, even though he had done no violence and no lies were upon his lips. Why all this punishment on the innocent victim? Well, Isaiah writes, It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. The Father willed to crush his own son and make him an offering for the guilt of our sin. Now, those of us who are parents cannot even begin to wrap our minds around how the Father could love us sinners enough to pour out his wrath against his own son. It torments us to see our own children suffer. How could God kill his own son? Well, beloved, we must receive this news with awe and thanksgiving that the Lord has done this to save us from our sins. We simply trust God's word, which says that his good and gracious will was to love us by sacrificing his only begotten son. But the father eternally loves his son. And Isaiah's prophecy did not stop with the death of Jesus. It pointed forward to Easter. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, gazed upon them with living eyes, and said, Peace be with you. He had said this. Their eyes looked upon his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. His nail-marked hands speak of God's goodwill towards you and all sinners. Peace be with you. The scars on his hands reveal the good and gracious will of God. The peace between God and man had been made by him who was delivered up for our sin and was raised for our justification. Through all this, Jesus had eyes only for his Father's will and through this fulfilled what he had told his disciples in John chapter 6. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The good and gracious will of God is that you set your eyes on the Son, believe in him, and have eternal life. Eternal life as a free gift. With that good news in mind, you can fall asleep in peace each night, awake to serve him each morning, and when your eyes eventually go to sleep in death, be confident that they will awaken to everlasting life in the resurrection. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let us pray. Almighty God, by the prayer and discipline of Lent, 
may we enter into the mystery of Christ's sufferings and by following in his way come to share in his glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for giving us a brief moment of your day. Our prayer and hope is that the message of the good news of Jesus Christ will have a positive impact for you as we at Redeemer Lutheran Church endeavor to be help, hope, and home in the body of Christ for all whom we meet. We invite you to come and receive the Lord's blessing through word and sacrament as we gather on Sunday mornings at 1045 for our worship service. We're located at 1 Deer Walk Lane, just off the Paula Road exit on Corridor G. You can find us on the web at RedeemerWV.org and on Facebook at Redeemer Lutheran Church WV. Thank you, and may God bless your day.